0: Welcome to Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insight. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm joined today by uh, we have another returning guest. Rick Fafard, Technical Director of Professional Services, is here. Uh, Rick, welcome back to Shared Insights. Thank you for joining us again. Glad to be here. You are here to uh, today to share some of the key lessons that you have learned in your experience working with legal implementations, working with large firms that bring many systems together. Before we move into the, the more technical details, uh, why don't you set the stage for us? What is it that defines the unique challenges that come with deploying technology for your legal customers in particular?
1: The legal industry is uh, you know perhaps more sophisticated than a lot of other industries when it comes to information or as most law firms would term it, knowledge and knowledge management. They have entire departments devoted to knowledge management. Uh, whereas your oil and gas industry or other industries wouldn't be quite as uh, uh, advanced in their thinking of paper and knowledge and the data within a given contract is, is of what's you know the most value. So I'd say you know fundamentally they're advanced. Uh, paper is money mm-hmm. to them and and charging their time uh, is, is you know the bottom line, but finding things and the, the legal industry in general is just wired that way. Uh, where versus you know a product-based uh, mm-hmm. industry where you know pharmaceutical where you're actually delivering um, product at the end of the day the product at the, at a law firm is you know the paper so to speak although right. no, less and less paper gets printed um, as we go forward it's all electronic right
0: yeah yeah well at paper at least we can be nostalgic about it here uh the what let's talk then about some of the specific lessons you've learned from working with the many law firms uh, that have come across your path
1: law firms we see you know do vary from a regional law firm you know say a law firm that would be uh, fairly large in the Washington DC and the you know political arena and the federal government area of of things versus a global um, law firms that have offices around the world, um, you know, as many as fifty offices in, in different countries and cities, from here to Australia and Hong Kong and back. Let's let's dig into some of the challenges that uh, law firms have, and uh, law, the challenges evolve around two different things here. One is the sheer amount of data that law firms both provide and consume so they consume data from every government institution and um, and to a large extent every corporate institution they work with uh, as well as the 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 amount of the number of clients and matters that they um have over time in process. So, the sheer amount of data, you know, both internal to the company and external, from external sources, from libraries and and, uh, judicial proceedings and jurisdictions that they, you know, practice law in. Uh, Sheer amount of data. And then, on the other side, the security around their data. Uh, Law firms must operate with uh, the correct um, levels of security around who can see what um, what uh, ethical walls are in place which would you know either grant or deny people access to different information so when you when you look at a, even a, a mid-sized law firm that may have you know five ten thousand clients um, and uh, fifty thousand or a hundred thousand different matters that they have worked on, or, and you know, some, obviously, they're working on at the current and present time, the amount of information that is going back and forth and that they have to be knowledgeable on and, and access with security, the proper amounts of security, is, is just enormous. Uh, so, those are the two biggest challenges, I think, that face law firms.
0: At what point do you jump into uh, the, the challenge of organization, right? You're talking about the, the sheer volume of sort of matter that comes into, these, into the system. Uh, when, when does, you know, making it organized and I guess making it sort of uh, personalized to, let's say, the attorney uh, become a, a significant challenge?
1: Um, the organization of the data is is always a challenge. Uh, you know, for a given law firm, you may have a dozen different practice groups or practice areas, and quite often you will find that uh, the real estate practice group, for example, um, may have been property and leasing practice area uh, six months ago. So the the way they organize their own firms, in their practice areas, has a lot to do with how you would want to organize and manage the data. Um, and then you have offices. Things are regional. You know, the law laws on, you know, tenant at will are very different here in uh, Boston, where I am, than they are in London or Hong Kong. So you're. The offices people operate out of and the jurisdictions that are involved um, do make a very large uh, impact on what is pertinent to you as an attorney or you as a practice support lawyer working for you know the attorney. That comes down to you know when you're looking to implement uh, search systems for law firms, being able to properly categorize and organize information, is key. Um, You know, I I did say jokingly almost that, you know, the practice area and the practice group may have changed over time and and I've seen that with a lot of law firms, you know, they restructure, they try to uh, be more efficient and direct at what their different uh, groups are doing. So, things do change, Um, but you do want to have an overall structure that provides information to people's fingertips the quickest way possible. And the organization of the firm, as well as the content um, that, you know, they're looking for really have to mesh. And most law firms do a really good job at that. They have, a, you know, a decent structure around, you know, their practice groups, around their offices, around their jurisdictions. Um, and uh, many law firms go even further and, and you know, will we, we'll put together a spotlight or keywords or... Um, areas of interest that that provide additional, you know, classification of of documents.
0: So you're working with a law firm now that is doing. That is is implementing. I don't know how do you want to say it. He says that has done this around stages. I'm not sure Are they in the middle of the process right now, or yeah, are, are they finished? Or
1: well, yeah, I think uh, I think that um, reference was to one of the law firms I'm working with right now. Um, I have a couple that I'm working with right now. One yep. in particular is an interesting case in the way they they've um, approached some of the organization of data. We'll describe their case and how they how they've come to a what I believe is a very elegant and, um, clean solution. Um, it's a global law firm. Uh, they have, I believe somewhere around 50 offices. I should know off the top of my head, 50, 60, um, different. And each office has their own, you know, document management system. Uh, there's a couple of different flavors of document management systems with a law firm this size, you know being global. Um, you'll find different ones in the European area than you will in the US. Um, but but fundamentally, uh, what they've done because it is a global practicing law firm, is they've wanted to allow people to search across the company to find you know uh, information they need, whether it's you know a, a labor law agreement in California, or a real estate um, buyout from, you know, a European um, country. So they've put together a fairly straightforward enterprise search center, which not only, in, you know, brings in all of the information from their document management systems, but it also uh, tags the information uh, in a, if you will, a global um taxonomy, you know, organizational structure. Um, You can still pick simple things like, oh, I want the Paris office, you know, and I'm looking for, you know, X, Y, Z. But you get a a very um, Google-like almost approach to finding things in the entire company a lot of firms use outside firms a lot of law firms use outside firms to do uh, case and matter information that is up to date so you'll get uh, you'll get the thomson reuters west km type of um, additional augmentation of documents integrated into their search system so they can pull up a citation or and find out what's going on with this case law at this point in time just by clicking through to it um, so the real-time realities of what is the latest case law on something is at their fingertips, all in the context of their own documents. Their system um, does let you, you know, as I said, pick things like office or practice area, and they've got a very straightforward, uh, laid-out practice area that does fit their global office structure, and. On top of that, everything is built in with security in mind. So if, you know, um, oh, I don't know, it's hard to make up cases. So if, if it's V V company X or, you know, company A versus company B and uh Ethically, you being an uh, attorney, a partner in the New York office who's working with company C, who potentially has something to do with company A and company B, and you're not able to view any of that content, it is secured so that you can't even search for it or find it. The keys here is they've basically brought everything into an enterprise search, kept it simple. like. A Google approach where it's really just a search box on the, on the main page, not a lot of fancy you know check boxes, and you've got to you know click here and add this here. Just Google brings you to a search center which has a lot of filters on the left that look like, you know, your Amazon style, uh, or you, you you pick your favorite uh, you know e-commerce website, and some tabs across the top so you can look in. I want to look in, you know, the U.S. area or I want to, you know, just look in um, groups of things, you know, things that are West KM, for example, from Thomson Reuters enabled so I can look up case law and pick the jurisdiction that I'm, you know, U.S. federal court versus uh, local regional court.
0: So let's talk about federation. First of all, you know, get us up to speed on on you know what is federation, and then let's talk about the
1: the federator. Yeah, how how does federation apply even in the legal industry yeah. for our law firm customers? Federation um, really means federating or associating additional sources, bringing them together, and we use federation in really three different manners. First, let's talk about federation for bringing sources together. Um, Another global offer, different from the one I was just talking about. They they had uh, decided they they had four different SharePoint systems um, around the world that supported their regional uh, law offices, and they wanted to provide a global because there are many times where you're doing you know uh, global. Um, law. Your your company A is the same as this law firm. They operate in, you know, France, Germany, England, and, you know, uh, California. So, they wanted to provide a global search, enterprise search. They had everything set up very, very well structured in their SharePoint systems in the four different regions. So, we brought the federator in, and the federator basically allows us to, when you type in, you know, arbitration, that same search goes out to all four different systems and it comes back within 2 seconds and basically mm-hmm. brings all the results back from all the different regions into one you know google like interface mm-hmm. for search so the, the federate the federator with you know our ba insight product was their first actual product that they bought um, with BA Insight, and it served that simple purpose of federating. The, uh, this law firm was actually more more uh, structured and uh, planned than a lot of customers that I've worked with. They actually had the same basic layout inside their different SharePoint systems. So, for example, they had an office definition. They had a practice area definition. And the pra- and the different um, categorizations were consistent across all four environments. So whether you were in South Africa or EMEA, you, you basically had the same categorization scheme in place already because that's the way they had structured it. So not only did the federator bring the results back, But if you type in arbitration, you would get a perfectly balanced set of results, regardless of where it came from, whether it came from EMEA or Australia. If arbitration showed up 52 times in the document in Australia and five times in the title, you know, and it didn't weight as high inside the U.S., you'd get the Australian document back, which is good and bad in some ways. I mean, it's a fundamental, you know brings you to a whole different area of, of search, which is about relevancy and tuning. Um, so this customer, they also actually, we had talked about VR and visual refiners, this customer bought visual refiners as well, because it, it allowed them to put up a nice clean set of very useful uh, filter tools um, in their global search that uh, you know would apply across the board, across all four regions and, and in the federated um, regions. Now let's talk about relevancy. You type in arbitration, you're in the New York office, you're in the real estate group. Do you really want to see a document from Australia on arbitration? Perhaps, but probably not. So how do we do two things? How do we personalize search to you or maybe direct the relevancy of search to be Um, pertinent to you and your position. So you're an attorney, you're in the New York office, and you're in the real estate group. The federator, because it actually is issuing the queries out and consuming the results back in, allows you to tune relevancy or adjust both the query going out and the results coming back in. Uh, What do we mean by adjust? And how does that pertain to relevancy? Well, mm-hmm. your, your you the attorney in the New York office is in the um, uh, real estate practice group. We know two things about you then: your office is New York, and your practice group is real estate. The federator has a simple um, we call it, we call them stages, but it has a stage where you can define what you would like to do to augment query, and and we call this stage the dynamic relevancy. Um, So in the case of this uh, attorney who is in New York, we want his office potentially to impact his query, so documents that come from his office should probably rank higher or be more relevant to him. So inside the federator stage, you can basically tell it, hey, when you issue the query, grab the person's office who's issuing the query and weight the documents from his office a little bit higher. And you can adjust the numbers so you can, you know, how much higher, it's always a, it's fun things to do with the customer, right, actually, right. To adjust relevancy. Um, and then you also know his practice group, you can do the same thing for his practice group. Real estate documents should rank higher. So, when he runs his arbitration query, he would actually see more documents from his local office and his realist, his practice group than he would otherwise, or for, than a person in Australia running the same query would see. So, the federators used to bring things together... But we've, we've done a lot more with the federator and the federator, federator is an interesting name for it because it, it does do a lot more. In this case, it has a stage where you can dynamically tune relevancy to the person running the query or by other means. We have um, you know dynamic relevancy. We use the federator to recently um, change the document weights because there was a content source. It was an online library of precedents. And... They provide good documents, um, and and we brought those in. We have a connector where we can go actually um, index all of that content into your enterprise search. And we've done it for a couple of customers with this one content source. But we We found out that the way they structure their documents, because they're very good at it, um, makes them always come to the top of your search results and if you're mixing them directly, we wanted to make sure they were weighted the same as you know the internal precedence of the uh, that the um, law firm was keeping themselves. so we, we detuned them just a bit to make you know things balance out so you'd get three or four of their documents as well as you know five or six of your own documents. Sure. In the top ten,
0: you've already you you just mentioned it, but I'm curious if you could comment on um, indexing all these sources versus
1: federating. Oh, yes, yeah, a common common question and a, and a very valid one. Uh, federation relies on the outside source providing you with information in real time. Um, however, federation, in the case of that customer with the four SharePoint systems worked excellent because there were four SharePoint systems that were laid out the same way. So federation is a very complex subject when you want to start tuning the ranking and the relevancy of all the content sources. Um, So federation in that customer's case was a perfect solution because things were balanced to begin with. They were in the same basic structure and format and source system indexing on the other hand is when you go out and you grab the content and you actually put it into your search index in the case of the prior customer I was talking about that had the 50 different offices around the globe we indexed all of the content from their offices because bringing it in was quite possible 50 million documents. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's possible to do that, but it also puts it all into the same search index and gives it a, um, a balanced, uh, relevancy ranking to begin with. So index your content when it is normally you index your content when it is your own or when it is absolutely necessary to, to bring it in. Federation is good when you have outside sources that are either, A, balanced to begin with, or B, available resources that you can't necessarily index. Um, you know, I'll diverge from um, the law firm example for a minute. and The uh, pharmaceutical industry, there are a lot of content sources out there or libraries out there where you can search for, you know, um, the formula for, uh, I won't say Advil because you probably can't get that directly, um, but you can search through a lot of libraries on pharmacology um, and they're available to you. And the same is true in the legal industry. Um, those sources quite often will not let you bring copies of everything over. So you have to federate to those other sources. Um, when you federate to a sor- source like that, that is very distinct from, you know, your own content, distinct and unique. The most, the, what I found that works really well is you put up a second set of results on the same page. So you're searching for, you know, arbitration in your own search center. And there's a panel on the right, which is arbitration in, you know, case law of X, Y, Z. So it'll, it'll run in parallel so to speak, Mm -hmm. and give you two Mm -hmm. places to go instead of one, you know, consist one list, you get two. So federation works well in keeping them separated, but giving you both at the same time type applications. Okay. Let's take a a, a little bit of time to talk about the architecture of the federator. The, The federator, uh, when you type in something to search, that search goes somewhere. The federator sits in front of wherever it's going and decides how to send it and where to send it. So the federator architecturally is right behind your search box and in front of anything else that happens down below. So the federator receives your query, decides to send it to, in this, you know, in the case of the SharePoint federation, decides to send it to the, the four SharePoint systems, gets the results back from the four SharePoint systems because it's, also in front of your page that is isn't going to show you the results and then puts them up on the page. Mm -hmm. Um, In the case of dynamic relevancy and how the federator can uh, augment the query because it's behind the search box, it goes and fetches, oh, this person's in this office, this person is this practice area, I'm going to use that to manipulate the query and change the ranking of the results that come back. We have other customers who use the Federator for a few other different things. Oh, I have a law firm that does something very creative. They with the Federator on um, aug- augmenting the query. They they decided that the uh, attorneys, when you're filtered on client, you know, client company A, mm-hmm. they want to see all the documents that relate to that client company A. But they also wanted to see additional information that would be available, even if you're on company A. This, this document may or may not, or document set, may or may not have anything to do with company A, but it, it's pertinent, but it's not specifically tagged to that company. So they, they put together a little page, web page, if you will, in their intranet where any attorney or person supporting the attorneys could add things to what they wanted to have show up on client A or client B or client C. So every time we ran, run a query for and it's filtered by client A, we look into this, is a database behind it that says, oh, we also want you to show A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So we augment the query to ensure that we're including things that may not be specifically tagged to client A. <laughs> So it's another form of sure. query augmentation. Sounds a little crazy, but but uh, what they you know what it really gave them the ability to do is include things that were uh, you know say client A is in the um, you know manufacturing uh, automobile manufacturing industry. Um, include things in the client A section, if you will, uh, that pertain directly to the automotive autom- automotive industry. And, and they did this because they were opening up client A um, to the actual people at client A as a, quote, customer-type portal. So here's a law firm that's gone kind of beyond yeah. just enterprise search. They're opening up a portal to their customers. And effectively, when you're a customer, you're on, you know… A filter, which is your your company name.
0: That's fascinating.
1: And they wanted to, you know, make sure that they could keep it open-ended enough to not just be your company documents, but other things that might be either written internally at the law firm that they wanted to present, you know, marketing to the customer, or um, or just things that are pertinent to the industry that the customer is in.
0: That's it's very clever. I, I as you were describing it, I couldn't imagine is this making more work or less, but now I, I feel like I get it. that's that's fascinating.
1: a little bit of work for the for the people entering, you know, I want a, B, and c or or yeah. uh, you know, and actually what they could enter was literally other searches so they could kind of go beyond. and yeah, so it's kind of an odd way of you know you're on a filter in, yeah so to speak, but we're giving you things that are outside the filter. Um, you'd be surprised how many real um, uh, commerce, e-commerce companies do that. You, know, you may be filtered on, you know, um, iPhone 6s or what is it, 7s now. Um, <laughs> right, seven. Uh, you know, uh, uh, cases, but they're going to show you some other stuff at the same time. Sure, sure.
0: All right, so let's let's wrap it up. Takeaways from now I know you've been talking about a couple of specific customers, but if we again go back to the a little bit higher level from just lessons of legal implementations, what are your sort of top 3 takeaways on on you know helping others move forward?
1: I'll go back to the challenges I think law firms have a lot of content and security. Uh, mm-hmm. around that content I would suggest when you're enabling people to find things, knowledge management uh, search is really the right approach you really do want to make it searchable, not searchable in that one system that it lives in or that you know one HR person that can go find the billing record um, you know for a customer mm-hmm. you really want to approach it as enterprise search Um uh, And keeping it simple is the best approach. Uh, I've worked with a lot of law firms that have very large projects that really surface the ability to search, you know, 50,000 key precedent documents. Well, that's good. But you spend a lot of time, if you spend too much time just trying to do one small area of your Business as a whole think you're missing out on the ability to make it much more. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, um, you know precedents are, are key documents um, that people uh, spend a lot of time on, and and I have worked with customers where mm-hmm. that's what they're going to um, represent in their search system only the precedent documents. Well, why not have a filter that is precedents? pre it, if you will, if you wish, but why stop there? Don't don't uh, assume you know um, everything that the uh, end user might want, or the most important thing that the user might want is what you're going to put into your system. Um, I, I worked with one customer that had a really, really uh, interesting. Situation arise. It was a smaller law firm, you know, about a thousand people, which is usually about five hundred attorneys and five hundred people supporting them, and a fairly small IT group. The IT group, they they brought in a third party outfit to come in and analyze, you know, how they were doing, how's the IT team supporting the um, their customers, and the one of the end results was the MBWA. Um, management by wandering around. It's not really management in this case, <laughs> sure. but go, go visit your customers, right? So the IT group, you know, the, the spent quite a bit of time going to visit their customers and their customers cared about things that the IT group really wasn't focusing on. Um, you know, the, the customers, the attorneys and the support people for the attorneys uh, really don't care about the technology you know, what you're using underneath. They just mm-hmm. want to find things fast. They want their phone fixed when they have a problem. They want the thing to work on their phone, you know, when they dial in and um, things like that. Um, so one of the uh, projects that, that I got involved with them on was Enterprise Search. And we had two attorneys on the team, which is unusual. Um, but I must admit, the end result at that customer were little things that made a kind of a big difference um, in the in the system we put together. It was an enterprise Think,
0: things system. I imagine you never would have thought of.
1: And, you know, there was a simple thing. I remember one of the um, lead attorneys um, who, you know, was on the project and and quite active, um, saying, "You know, I really just want a little checkbox over there that says exclude emails, because <laughs> our group, you know, the practice support lawyers." Um, is really, you know, focused on on the documents and and providing the proper and correct documents all the time. And a lot of emails, you know, go into the systems and and indexing emails a whole different subject. But she said, just give me a little checkbox there that says exclude emails. Uh, Right on the landing page. So they ended up with like four options, you know, the Google box and like four options on the landing page, and this was one of them. And it made her more efficient and it made, you know, her team, more efficient. Um, and that's really what matters. You know, we're trying to make people efficient and, and find things and let them do their job faster. Um, but sure. you know, what the wandering around actually visit your customers don't think because, you know, Hey, I'm in technology. I'm smart. I can make things, do things. Uh, but that's not what it's about. It's about the end customer and making it easy for people to find things.
0: I, you have mentioned a number of products in our conversation here. I'm going to put links to uh, things like the the search uh, uh, visual refiners and the federator uh, in the, the show notes. We also have a federator white paper, uh, and and of course I'll point to the BA Insight Legal Search Solutions page if you are interested in more information on how BA Insight supports law firms. Anything else you think we should include in the show notes, uh, Rick? Before we close up.
1: No, not that I can think of. No, the um, no. It's it's actually always a pleasure working with law firms. They're, you know, old phrase, high tech. You know, <laughs> A lot going on there. That's right. I love it.
0: That's great. Well, thank you so much, Rick uh, Fafard, for your time, for for uh, joining us again uh, on this very show. We certainly, certainly appreciate your insights and uh, uh, look forward to having you back. All right. Thank you. On behalf of Rick Fafard, I'm Pete Wright. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, for downloading and listening to this show. And you know what really helps? And we don't ask about this very often. But if you are listening to us through a, a podcast app that offers a directory or iTunes, for example, uh, pay it forward. Five-star reviews absolutely help others when they are searching for information on these kinds of topics. It will surface our podcast for them. So if you're getting anything out of these podcasts, we sure appreciate you paying it forward. Uh, Drop us a five-star review and and help others to learn more about about search and the kinds of topics that we uh, discuss on this show. Thank you very much. And we will catch you next week right here on Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insights.